First Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this day that you've given us. And that sounds cliche, just thanking you for a day. But Lord, it's a day that we are alive. It's a day that you've blessed us with all the blessings that are represented here Um, There's so many things that I personally am grateful for, and Lord, it's your grace and your goodness shining down upon us. And we ask today that as we open up your word as a family, uh, that we come together as a family, we dive into your word, that you would show us new things, Lord, that you would remind us of things that maybe we have forgotten, but Lord, that today we would fulfill what you've called us to in the gathering of your saints, that we would uh, labor together as the church, minister to one another, encourage one another in the faith to be the contrast people that you've called us to be. Lord, that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And would you use us to to do that, to be the tangible hands and feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I am in desperate need, as always, of you to... um, be standing up here and and reading from your word and uh, unpacking it. I ask that anything from me would fall at the wayside and everything from you would would scream loudly and that all things would point to Jesus as our hope, as the center, as the reason for everything that we have. Uh, We glorify you. It's for your fame. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, you guys have a seat. So you guys know we've been studying through why we do these things that we do in uh, our Sunday gatherings, basically. So it started out with a question that um, I always have of just asking why, which I think is good because it, it pushes us to to grow and to learn and to find answers. So we've been discussing why we do things. And the first was why we pray, which we went through in the, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And then secondly, was why we teach, and it was uh, Paul's letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. You remember we unpacked that one. And then last week, um, we unpacked why we praise. And we went through Exodus. We went through a lot of scriptures last week. Um, but if you remember, we unpacked mostly it was Exodus 15, which was where we see the first worship song in scripture after the Israelites have crossed the Red Sea, and they've been set free from thing that enslave them. And so then they sing a worship song that is uh, built to help them remember uh, what the Lord has set them free from. And also it points forward to ultimately when our King will come completely and reign completely here on earth and vanquish all the Pharaohs of this earth. Um, and what's really cool about communion and, uh, that's why these are kind of back to back is praise and communion is communion shares a lot of the same things that we uh, unpacked with why we praise. Um, we're going to be looking back tonight as we go through this, we're going to be looking back to Exodus and the Israelites and a practice um, that they had that was built to 
help them remember and also help them to point forward just as we do with song. So we're going to unpack that tonight. Um, a little background on 1 Corinthians. It's a, it's a letter from Paul to the church at Corinth. Corinth was a major port city. Um, there's a lot going on there. In Acts 18, you can read that Paul strategically went there as a missionary, um, lived there for a year and a half, witnessed, uh, saw converts come to know the Lord, and then a church from, from his work there, a church is formed. And then Paul, as we know, moves on and starts ministering in other places. And so what's prompting this letter, this first letter to the church at Corinth is Paul's getting news of it's not going great. He's getting news of uh, division in the church um, of a lot of problems. And we're going to use actually one of the things he addresses is communion. And so you would almost think, to, to teach on a message of uh, communion and unpacking communion, you're going to go to the gospel. So we have in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then a bit in John, like 13 and 18. Um, but we see the, the story of the Lord and the disciples taking that last supper. Um, but that's the narrative. And here with Paul, we see the we see more of a purpose and that's why I'm going through first Corinthians to unpack uh, this. So Paul has, he's writing this church and he's seeing like, Hey, here's the problems. I'm going to correct them. One of them was how they were uh, taking communion. How were they dealing with each other? The classes they were, um, the rich were being disparaging to the poor. And so Paul is writing them to correct them. And in doing so he's writing them and he gives the, He's basically giving us this answer to the why. He's like, hey, get back to it because this is what uh, the Lord's Supper is all about. Um, and so we are going to go through and just unpack this scripture line by line. Um, first, we start off with part, uh, Paul says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So Paul's, Paul's you see this a lot with Paul. Paul doesn't... Um, Paul's a giant, and yet he never relies on his own name, his own merits. He's constantly pointing that this is coming from something far bigger than me. If you remember, um, it was in 2 Timothy, Why We Preach, how Paul addresses Timothy. Um, Timothy was his protege, yet Paul continually didn't just say, well, I'm telling you this, but he, he kept pointing Timothy to, look, there's something much bigger than me and much bigger than you that we're living for that, that governs me. And so Paul's doing the same thing here as he's charging he's sending a letter of correction to the church at Corinth. He's saying, look, this isn't Paul telling you this. This is for, I received from the Lord. This is something I received the Lord and I'm passing this on to you. So, you know, as I'm telling you this, that that's the weight that comes with this, that this is something far greater than I. So there's a, there's a gravity that comes with what then proceeds after that. It says that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, so right there, this is where we're going to start to see the, the imagery that's happening. You guys know what is, uh, what's going on right as, uh, Jesus is having this last supper with the disciples. You know, it's right around the corner or 
there basically is Passover. So you'll, I'm not going to get into the debate part of it. You can actually, this will be maybe homework if you want to go into it, but there's debate on the, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all state that it was the last supper was the Passover meal. And then in John, uh, it's a little more confusing, but my point I'm, as I'm walking us into this murkiness, my point is not to get us into that murkiness. Uh, that's for you to go through and study. It's not the Bible contradicting itself. What I want to get us in the mindset of this is Passover. So everybody's eyes, everybody's minds are set on this, this custom, this thing that's been set since Exodus that they are going to do. And so we're going to look back the same way we look back to Exodus to why we praise. We're going to look back and find that in Exodus we have, this is what the Passover is. So remember you have Moses who is raised up, who goes into Pharaoh, who's enslaved the, the people of God. And he says, Hey, you need to set my God's people free. And Pharaoh, this, the, the greatest superpower that the world has ever seen at that point says, no way. I'm like, who are you? So that's when we see the 10 plagues. And ultimately the Lord keeps uh, just bringing these plagues uh, till finally it, it just ends with the end all with, which is the 10th plague. And this is where the Passover comes from is uh, in um, Exodus 12. There's the Moses gives the children of Israel the direction of, Hey, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go kill a lamb or a goat. And this is how you're going to prepare it. And you're going to put the, the blood on the doorpost and on the entryway. And then you're going to sit there and you're going to, there's an exact way of preparing it. And you're going to sit there and, and eat it. And he's, and they're supposed to eat it with their cloak on their sandals on and a staff in their hand. So it was like, um, as a kid, I always not even, I, I probably still do it, but I think I get antsy and I just sitting down and having a meal always got boring. So I was always like, I'd, I'd eat a meal with maybe a backpack on, or I was standing. I would always stand and eat my food. So it's, it's that same kind of thing. It's, is he was having them, you're going to eat this meal prepared. Like I'm about to walk out the door. This is an enslaved people. I'm about to walk out the door um, as I'm eating this meal. So you guys see the picture. There's an urgency. There's like, okay, eat this and then be ready to split speaking this to slaves. And so then we know that the angel, the, the angel of death comes and, and anywhere where that blood wasn't represented, the firstborn of that family died and Pharaoh's firstborn died. And that was then, all right, I've had it. Get you, get out of here, get these people out of here. I don't want anything to do with this God and the Israelites leave. And then we know that Pharaoh, his heart is hard and he changes his mind and they pursue the Israelites. And then this is the exact same story I unpacked last week is then they're in pursuit of the Israelites and they, they cross the Red Sea and the Lord causes the Red Sea to collapse in on uh, the Egyptians and Pharaoh and the Israelites see the thing that enslaved them, the thing that had them bound in chains, they see it destroyed in front of them. 
And now Jesus is their king moving forward. And that's that song of praise. So that Passover then is something that they would celebrate to remember, just like we were talking about last week where we, the, the worship song, we, we remember that we have been set free and that's why we sing. It's a thing that we have done that marks these moments in time. Well, the Passover meal is this meal where they are remembering where they have been set free from that thing that enslaved them. And so this is falling when Jesus is taking his uh, eating with his disciples. This is everybody's geared up for Passover. Passover is coming. And so we also know that seeing it on, on this side of history, we know that that lamb, there's so much typology in scripture, but that lamb of the, the lamb that's being the blood's being put on the doorpost, that's pointing to the sacrifice of Christ, right? And so as we then get to um, now Christ with his disciples, this perfect lamb, this spotless lamb is then going to die and his blood is going to be shed. And that blood will then cleanse all of us, not for a moment in time, but for eternity. It will be the final, the final payment for sin where uh, this, this lamb blood could cover them for so long, but Christ's blood is perfect and it will cover our sins forever. Um, Jesus is, he's taken this moment to remind them as they go into this of, of Exodus 12, where Moses is unpacking, uh, this first Passover that they continue to celebrate, um, the meal where the Israelites remembered again, what they were set free from and how we, we've unpacked how that points towards something else for us. So we know that um, that's the typology for us to look forward to Christ coming and fully vanquishing all the pharaohs of, of today, right? Does that all make sense? Like this is all the, the foreshadowing or the shadow of the greater thing. Um, we'll actually read a scripture that says that later. But as we keep going through, it says, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. So this is a moment where if you can try to get in their mindset, so their minds are already primed and ready for this Passover meal. It's their, their minds are already primed and ready for we're remembering how our people were enslaved and we're remembering how they had to kill something. Something had to die and we had to put the blood of that thing over our household in order that death wouldn't come into our home. And we're remembering how when we did that, the, the death came to everything else and we saw our enemies killed and we saw our freedom come from that to because the first thing to be free is the thing that enslaves you needs to be destroyed. So they're set free. So their, their minds are already primed and ready to be thinking this way. Be thinking of that. The blood bought something for us. The blood did something for us and this lamb and, and they've been sacrificing to cover their sins all the while. Right? So they're sacrificing the temple. So now you have Jesus, who's then saying, I'm going to go on and suffer. And he's, he's gearing them up 
so that he would be not the shadow, which is everything before was the shadow of the things that to come. Jesus was actually gearing them up to say, this has all been a shadow ultimately pointing to this, the end game, which is me, but I'm actually the thing. I'm actually the, the ultimate thing where you won't need the lamb anymore. You won't need any other substitution, but it's me and I'm going to do it once and for all. And he's doing it at this time where they're already in that Passover mindset. Can you guys see that, that this is something that it's been just years and years and years with them. And Jesus is coming. I mean, even just the timing of God, he obviously can do what he wants with time because he's the maker of the universe, but how fitting that it lands where it lands that at a time when they're used to sacrificing this lamb that would only cover their sins for so long. They're now it's Jesus saying, I'm the spotless lamb. I'm the one who's going to go die and it's done. What's the thing that he says? I'll read it again. Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same manner. He also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So what's the thing he repeats And he really, really straightforward answers the question. Why? He says, remember, right? So he's saying, do as often as you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. As often as you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. So he's, he's pointing back again. He's saying, Hey, remember, but remember me because I'm the one who's doing it and it's going to be done. We see in Hebrews 10, one through four, I'll read it for you. Uh, if you want to turn there, you can, um, but we see that the, the, the imperfect sacrifice reminded us of our sin, where Christ is reminding us of him, of the hope that we have. Hebrews 10, 1 through 4 says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come. That's what I was talking about before. This is just the, the shadow of that ultimate good thing to come. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. So these sacrifices can never, although they do it year by year, they can never make the person who offers it perfect for then would they, for then would they not have ceased to be offered? So if they made them perfect, then wouldn't, we wouldn't have to keep doing this, right? If, if, if that lamb's blood was enough, then we would be done. But no, we continue doing them. So they're not enough. Uh, then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshiper worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifice sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats would take away sin. So every year, it was a reminder of, oh, my sin. Like, that's got to be paid for again. That's got to be paid every year. Can you imagine? Like, we, don't, we don't really have that. We don't have that. I don't even think there's like a metaphor I can try to scramble together. to. to we just don't have that mindset. We have... We benefit from the ultimate and complete sacrificial giving of Christ, his life, 
living the life that we should have lived and dying the death that we should have died so we can be in right standing. So as he says, do this in remembrance of me. Whereas before these sacrifices would then remind them of their sin year by year, it'd be remind them of their sin and remind them that that sacrifice wasn't perfect, that that sacrifice wasn't perfect, giving them a desire to see the Messiah come. So that's why you see all through the old Testament um, at some point, once we get through, well, this is the last one. And then we're going to start just going through books, but I'd love to really start to tackle the old Testament because it just, it's so impactful seeing how huge it was as we look to the new Testament, looking to the coming Messiah, especially as you read through the old Testament, you read through, uh, really Exodus. That's why I'm like, digging into Exodus a lot. And then we see in Isaiah pointing to that it's the coming Messiah that the gospels all speak of the inauguration of Jesus as King. It's all about uh, the Lord being our King and us being set free. And it's this typology that, that keeps happening as we see through scripture. So I'm rambling, but I really want to get into that, but that's where we see uh, all this is that as we as they would look back every year and be reminded, Christ is now saying, do this in remembrance of me, not remembering your sin every year. Now, now you remember me, your sin has been buried. It's been completely covered. I don't see it anymore. You are now perfect where we see in Hebrews where it says, where is it? Which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. It doesn't can never with these same sacrifices uh, make those who approach perfect, but yet we have been made perfect through Christ. Amen. So that sacrifice was complete and final and total. And so now we get to look back with joy, not with sorrow at, Oh man, like when, when will, when will the final payment come where I don't have to keep paying this? just to stave this off. But we have the benefit of it was paid. And now I don't have to remember that, that debt, or if I do remember that debt, it only fills me with joy because it makes me think of the person who paid that debt. I don't have to remember that debt and just think like my stomach sink and think, Oh my gosh, I owe so much. Uh, You imagine if somebody paid off a massive debt and you were just financially so burdened, Once that person paid that off, anytime you thought of that debt, you're going to think of that person because it was such a monumental moment, such a massive burden that this thing that kept reminding you every time you got a call from the bill collector, this thing that kept reminding you where you were making payments on a credit card or whatever it may be, this thing that kept reminding you finally when someone paid it off, now when you remember it, it's complete gratefulness. It's not remembering of like, oh, when will this finally be paid? But it's remembering, wow, I would, I was never able under my own strength to pay for that. And it's now been paid in full. And now I'm in, I'm in clear standing. That's the, the benefit that we have as believers. And that's how we remember. We look back at what Christ has done for us. And then it ends. So Paul's saying, hey, as you take communion, look back. With a sober mind, look back and see what Christ has done. Look back and see that he's our spotless lamb. Look back and see that he suffered what we should have suffered. Look back and see that the greatest among us, 
the, our Lord and Savior and our King put himself lower than all of us and decided to die for all of us. Look back and see the upside down kingdom where if you want to be great in the kingdom, you're the least of these. Look back and see the example that Christ said. So we're, we're looking back and we're remembering as music was just a memory device. We're remembering as we do this, this isn't communion isn't an empty practice. It's not something that we do out of ritual. And maybe that's, that's why we're going through this little mini series, beginning series of why we do things. It's even for my own mindset is that I don't get in that rut. I don't get in that rut of that. We sing songs just because we do. And we take communion because it's kind of this, I know, introspective, reflective moment where I can just pray. Like there's a, you can, and you should be taking inventory during communion, but there's, there's purpose to, to why we do these things, why we preach and why we pray. And I hope that as we go through this, this will stick with us and maybe we'll have to do a refresher down the road, but it's, it's good for me, even as I'm going through these things, that there's a purpose to this, that we remember what Christ has done for this, but then it doesn't end there. It ends. Paul says here for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So just like, um, that's why I really love that this one went right alongside, or they came right after the singing, why we sing in church, why we sing as a body, because it's the same thing. Remember in music, we said that we look back to remind us of what we've been set free from and that Jesus is our King. And we sing also looking forward to remind ourselves that we have a King who's coming and he's going to come fully. Same thing here with communion. In one way we take communion and we remember, which I've just unpacked, but we also point forward. We also witness to each other the death of Christ. And that's a weird thing. It's, I think, I think it's for me, I'll say for me, it's one of those things that you hear it enough. It doesn't sound weird until I try to get myself to hear it for the first time. And then it sounds weird to me. So let me try to explain that better. Uh, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, okay, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. That doesn't sound like a great thing at face value to proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We, when, what other time in our life are we happy to not happy to, but when other time is it this something that we want to continually do to, to proclaim the death of something we love? It's a, that's an odd thing. And as believers, I think we, we can hear it enough to where maybe that we read through that. I noticed that in my own life that if I've, heard something often, I need to make sure I get my mindset out of just reading through something. Cause I'll just fly through really impactful stuff. And that's one of them. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It's a beautiful thing because in Christ's death, as I just unpacked this upside down kingdom, his death was ultimate victory. And it's weird and bizarre to my mind because that's totally opposite of how this world operates that you can never win from dying, but that's how it works in God's kingdom. It's, it's upside down. It's totally different. It was Christ's death 
that was the full inauguration of him as king. It was Christ being exalted as it's prophesied, being exalted and lifted high figuratively, figuratively and actually on a cross him being exalted and lifted up on high that as our Lord and savior hung on that tree, that was the inauguration of him as the Messiah, as our King. That's when Jesus completely became our King and he has brought us into the family. And that's what we look forward to. That's, I don't know if you, I don't know if I've said it a bunch in here yet, but it's the now and not yet where Jesus is King but the world's still imperfect, right? We still see heartache all the time. We still see wickedness all the time. So it's the now and not yet that Jesus is King, but he hasn't fully come and vanquished all the Pharaohs. He's coming back. And when he comes back, I hope all of us are proven to be faithful and being about the business of the King as he comes back to see what we've been doing with this kingdom that he's left. And so we point forward to, uh, as I was saying, we, we're remembering what Christ has done, but we're also pointing forward and remembering that pro- proclaiming, not remember, but proclaiming Christ's death, which is actually a beautiful thing because it points to his victory. It points to ultimately in the end Christ's victory because death was conquered through him. It wasn't that simply he died, but it was the fact that through his death, death became weak. Death was completely defeated just the way Pharaoh was completely defeated through Christ's death. Now death itself has no sting. And so Paul is directing our eyes back through communion to look at what Christ did. And just like worship, he's directing our eyes forward to what Christ has done and will ultimately complete when we see him come completely return and reign fully as King. And we'll see uh, this Exodus, Exodus story again, which is really cool. It's really cool in my mind that we, this, we have this imagery that is, is really repetitive through scripture. So we have in Exodus and then uh, we see like the lamb and then we see Jesus as the lamb. And what's awesome is that the story isn't finished and that we're all going to see then what we're pointing towards is that Christ coming and it'll be Exodus will be the shadow of the true thing, which we will see later as Christ comes in as the ultimate King. So we have something really awesome to look forward to that. And we already know the story, but we've only seen the shadow of it. We only see the, the, the imagery of it, but we haven't seen the fully great thing. And that's going to be something so awesome to see when Christ fully comes back and defeats all these, every Pharaoh that, that would enslave us. And so tonight, as always, we're going to pray together. And there's obviously an emphasis on communion. And during this 20 minutes where we pray together, as always, here's the, these are the prayer requests that our family fills out. So these are real needs, real people that are hurting here in our family that fill these out. And so we're going to pray for these. 
get together in circles, pray in your own chair, unlock chairs, whatever it may be. But we're going to get together and pray during these 20 minutes for our family. There's going to be some stuff up on the screen that you can pray for. That's more uh, church at large things to pray for. But tonight along with prayer, and we'll have communion every Sunday night. It will be available and we'll have it up here, but there's an emphasis on communion. And so I would say tonight, try to take some time to walk through this. And even if it means like really taking tangible, like mental steps, grab communion and just make yourself think through the process, make yourself, even if you don't feel like you're in a rut, Make yourself mentally walk through the entire thing. That his body was broken, that Jesus' body was broken, and that his blood was poured out. And remember, and just take time. Take, take a few minutes. We'll have 20 minutes to pray and go through everything. So just take a few minutes and just remember. Remember what he did. Remember that his body was broken, his blood was shed so that you and I could be in right standing with the father. And we, we, we could have a hope at all because of him who paid this debt that we couldn't pay. And now he's brought us into the family. When we were still sinners, that's when Christ, he died for us. And so it wasn't in a place when we were all good and all cleaned up, but Christ came and died for us and put himself lower than us when we were wicked, when we weren't going to church on Sunday night when we were pursuing our sin, that's when Christ died for us. And then after you remember, then know that because of that thing that happened that you're remembering, know that you have a hope. And so then take a a minute or two and think, point forward. Think of what the hope is that we have, the hope in the future, that this life, that what we live, what we encounter day to day, isn't the end all be all that we live for something greater than the sorrows we face in this life. And we live for something greater than the joys that we face in this life. We live for something far greater and far beyond that doesn't make us check out of this life, but because we live for something so, so great or so, so, so far beyond that it makes us more impactful for this life. It frees us up for this life because we know this just isn't it but we're here for a purpose that he redeemed us. And then as we take communion together and maybe this makes sense or maybe it doesn't, but I trust it because it's in the word that as we take communion together, we are witnessing just as in music that as we, every time we are engaged with the father, there's a horizontal effect that happens. And as we take communion together, we're witnessing to each other. And we're reminding each other of the death of our savior who then gave us hope. And it fulfills that great thing that we're called to of gathering together, that we're to be this contrast people that gets together to encourage each other, to remind each other of the hope that we have so that we can go out into a world and be impactful knowing that that's right. That's right. That we can remind each other. That's right. That's what I'm supposed to be about. Yeah. I've been getting distracted with, with money. Yeah. I've been getting distracted with my job, but that's right. Thank you for, thank you, brother, sister, for reminding me for being here. That's what even happens in communion without even talking about it. Just by taking it, we are a witness to the death of Christ, which his death is ultimately our hope. So as always, let's pray together. Let's take communion
together. And then Micah will bring us back together and we'll engage in that, that last sacred practice that we have is that we will sing songs and end tonight remembering that we were set free and remembering that he's coming and ultimately destroying every Pharaoh. This doesn't happen without believers being active. And so I really appreciate you guys. And I want to say it every week, but it encourages me so much to see not just you guys here, but engaging to look up when I'm praying with someone and look up and see God's people living and active. And I trust that if it encourages me that much to be like, wow, God's body is, is working. I'm encouraged. Then I know it encourages each other. So be encouraged. As I say, encourage a lot, but be encouraged that as we do this together, we're building each other up and we're building up the church. Amen. Right on. Let's do it. <laughs>